Welcome to Season 2 of the CandyCast Podcast. I'm Daryl Kieser, CEO of CandyBox Marketing, and during this season, I'll be interviewing CEOs from various industries that grew rapidly during the pandemic. During these podcasts, I'll be trying to find out how they rose to the top while many of their competitors shut their doors. Grab your favorite candy, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of CandyCast. During this episode, I interview Michael Groshmal, former CEO of Atlas Care, one of the largest HVAC companies in the Toronto area. We'll talk about how he went from 90% revenue loss during the pandemic to having a record-breaking year and successfully selling his company in 12 months. Enjoy. So Michael, for the listeners here today, um, would you be able to introduce uh, Atlas Care, what you guys do and, uh, and services that you offer? Yeah, absolutely, Daryl. So Atlas Care is a residential heating and air conditioning contractor in the greater Toronto area. So we had about 100 uh, employees, uh, residential only, so no new home construction, no industrial or commercial, and, uh, you know, really focused on always being there when you need us. Awesome. And and last year, March last year, uh, what did the pandemic look like for an essential service that was also facing this as an internal crisis? Like when COVID hit, you had to stay open, but... Um, there was other challenges that you had to face as a business owner just to kind of stay afloat. So what was like, what was March of 2020 like for your company? Yeah. So March of 20 of 2020 was uh, the craziest time I've ever had in business. Uh, and uh, it was somewhere around March 14th, the provincial government, uh, or I don't even know if it's the national government, you know, uh, announced that we we're going to have a lo- our first lockdown. And, uh, you know, in hindsight, it's easy to say, Oh, you're an essential service. At the time we didn't know. And so uh, there wasn't a lot of clarity around what were essential services, what weren't essential services. And so we spent a ton of time researching to figure out, are we allowed to stay open or not? Um, We we assume so because there are certain emergencies that we take care of that you just can't let it wait for the end of the lockdown, like a gas leak or a water leak. uh, Or if it gets cold, you know, somebody with no heat or no hot water. Um, But anyways, we we still had to wait for that. Uh, But it was uh, was amazing. We had a 90% um, fall in revenue. Um, literally 90%, like 90%, 90%, nine zero, nine zero. Okay. Uh, and so revenue fell 90% overnight. And so, um, but you know, as a business owner, you must appreciate that uh, bills don't uh, fall 90% overnight ever. Uh, and so you're sitting there going, okay, so the, it fell 90% and it's like, what do we do? And, uh, you know, one of the, I have to give credit, um, you know, over time, you know, Atlas Care was really known for its culture and its people. And so the people who just came together right away, everyone was like, like, how can I help? And so we put together a COVID task force team, like literally on the first day, uh, included, uh, we even called my dad out of retirement and, you know, him and our controller and our, our ops people. And, uh, you know, we met every single day for the first four months of the pandemic. And it was just very much like, what do we do? And uh, it was great. You know, I, I don't think any one person can figure this out um, and because no one's ever been through it before. You know, uh, I happen to you know be very fortunate. My dad's in his 70s. I've got mentors in their 80s, and when they're looking at me saying, "I don't know what to do," it was, uh, "Oh, okay, well that's not good." Uh, but they had never even been through anything like this, uh, and so uh, and so yeah, you just start looking at all the different you know what can you do, and so first things first, you have to understand where are your expenses at, and uh, you know what do you do about it, um, and so uh, you know, we jumped on that right away. I remember I got a list from my controller of everybody Atlas Care had paid money to in the last year and a half, and I literally called every one of them over a week and a half period. And it was just like pick up the phone and it's just introduce myself and 
high and what do we get from you and do we need to keep getting it uh you know can you give us a break on the bill can we defer payments uh you know how can you help us out and it was um it was amazing um every one of our suppliers helped us out uh and 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 did things that helped atlas care Uh, because it was pretty scary at the beginning especially because you don't know how long it's going to go on for it's so you know if it's going to be for two weeks okay two weeks you can you can struggle through uh, is it going to be a month two months three months you know if it would have gone on this the same way you know for even two months we would have been out of business after 88 years and so that was a, a scary thing and as a small business owner you know you guarantee everything against your own personal assets and house and so you're thinking okay kids uh, might be homeless here so um nerve-wracking to say the least uh during those early stages of the pandemic well well so, so I mean, like losing 90% of revenue is no small thing when you're dealing with 100 employees, when you're dealing with equipment. Um, but what was the, you know, what were other issues that you were facing? Because it's also like, yeah, there's a revenue issue. You know, there's also this virus that we had no idea about, and that in, impacts people. And, and you're in the business of, of people. So how did you guys navigate, you know, the emotions, concerns, thoughts, fears of 100 people in a short period of time while still needing to do really important work. Like you guys don't, you know, you, you don't sell donuts, you're installing gas appliances, you're doing maintenance. Like there's, there's, um, uh, I would, I would, I know this is uh, coming from a marketing agency as a non-essential business that we learned that we were non-essential, which, you know, still kind of hurts to this day. But, you know, for, for you guys, you have to still maintain a high level of excellence while dealing with, you know, your house is on fire. So what did that look like right at the beginning? You know, uh, first thing first was to get in front of all the employees. And so we had uh, virtual town halls uh, and like right away, like out of the gate, like we originally, uh, we were already on Microsoft Teams. We, uh, we, had, we had migrated Office, Office 365 a couple years earlier. We never used Teams, but like, we knew it was there. So we kind of jumped on Teams and, and got everybody on it. And, uh, and, you know, I think we're just open and honest with them. So we don't know what we're, what, what's going on. I'm sure you all have hundreds of questions and we have hundreds of questions. Uh, are we essential service? Are we not? Um, what happens if you have to take care of uh, loved ones at home? So you've got kids at home, you're a single parent. Uh, do you have to come to work? Do you not have to come to work? Uh, you know, how are we going to keep them safe? You know, just because we're essential, you know, I think all people were scared of, you know, what if I caught this? Mm-hmm. And so how are you going to protect us? And so, uh, so all these things were sort of going, going along. And so one of the first things uh, we did out of the gate after meeting with everybody is um, we actually laid everybody off. Uh, and uh, as, as, a, as a workforce of hourly employees, it was actually best for them. It wasn't as good for us, uh, but good for them because, uh, you know, when they get employment insurance, that's based on your most recent work hours. And as hours are dropping to almost nothing, you know, the faster we do that, the better. And so we did that out of the gate, and that was for the employee's benefit, not ours. And our employees really appreciated the fact that we did that because they had to sort their own lives out at home. And we had a, a, you know, a small group of people that said, hey, listen, I'm willing to work through this and help you figure your way out, which was amazing. Um, and then I think by day three, we had already started acquiring all the protective equipment. So uh, I had already ordered masks. Uh, we had gloves, face shields. Uh, we had bought hand sanitizer. We had bought soap and rags. And then at work, we started like, you know, outside of researching sort of, uh, you know, what's best practice, we started making how-to videos for our staff. So here's sort of, here's what we want the procedure to look like. Uh, And it was a procedure in the office around, here's the questions we're going to ask people. Like, have you been in contact with COVID? Do you know anybody who's had COVID? 
uh, and we had set up two protocols. One was for if somebody said that they had COVID, what were we going to do uh, and say? And, uh, and, and if they hadn't been in contact, well, here's what our internal procedures look like. How are we going to do contactless uh, payment? Uh, how are we going to uh, communicate with the homeowners? What would the protocol look like coming to the front door? What would it look like inside the home? And uh, so after a couple of days, we kind of got a lot of that ironed out. Um, but revenue stayed down for, you know, I want to say about three weeks uh, at that level. And during that time, it then became, uh, all right, well, it can't stay this way. Like, we're going to go out of business if it stays this way. We've got to do something. How close are you to going out of business? <sighs> Hard to say mm -hmm. um, because, you know, at first you can defer some payments and, and all the rest. But uh, let's just agree that... Um, you know, we were going to be, our, our payments in 30 days were going to be six times our revenue. And so you go, okay, like, how long can you float that? Uh, and so it was, it was like staring into the abyss. And then I think we did two really key things outside of the, the great communication with, with customers and with employees and jumping on our expenses was we right away decided that um, we know that there's lots of lots of people that um, they need their HVAC equipment, their heating air conditioning, they need their plumbing. And if something goes wrong with it, now they're really going to be uh, in trouble. And so we started looking at things like seniors that uh, we had identified and said, you know, we need to do maintenance for some of these customers because if we don't do maintenance, it's, they're going to have problems. We looked at older pieces of equipment in our database. And we, uh, we started reaching out to our clients and saying, hey, like, we, we want to get in there and do maintenance because maintenance is essential. And, uh, and I think because of the trust we'd built up with customers over all the years, they said, sure. Uh, and uh, it was only about three weeks I had people laid off. After that, I called everybody back. So by the second week of April, the whole, so a month later, everyone's called back to work. Uh, we're making uh, arrangements for people who are single parents and can't work, which is fine. We made arrangements for some people to work from home, like office staff to work from home. And then, and then we did something I thought which was crazy at the time. Uh, to, and this is probably about uh, by the first week of April. I kind of looked around and uh, the heating and air conditioning plumbing business, uh, a lot of outward advertising because everyone's chasing the emergency business. And everybody had cut all their expenses. And so all of a sudden there was zero, there was nobody advertising in our space. And uh, I kind of looked uh, around the table and I said, you know, if, if we're going to go down, like, I think we've got to go down fighting. And we, uh, we decided to double our advertising budget in the month of April. So it's like you take what, what left of money you have. I felt like I was at the casino. I, I educated bet, but it felt like a casino because you're like, hey, I'm going to take the rest of my money and put it in the middle. Because uh, if I lose, it's not going to matter. So uh, we did that. And uh, it really started then to lead to an increase of, of, of business and new customers. And, uh, yeah, and, then, and then I would say that by the middle of May, uh, we were kind of back up and running about 70%, 75% of revenue. And then it got hot early for the first time, I, I think, in 10 years. And in May, the third week of May, it got really hot. And all of a sudden now, the phones are ringing off the hook. It was like one day everybody cared uh, what all your protocols were. Uh, and then when they were hot and had no air conditioning, all they cared was that you could get out there. And we had the ability to do that because we didn't have everybody laid off anymore. We already had the protocols, the procedures. Everybody was back working. And so we were able to help you know, thousands of homeowners mm -hmm. get out of a bad situation. And that really springboarded us to sort of this path of growth. I think word got out that our people were following the procedures uh, and we were open for business 
and people felt comfortable. So people were, we've started leaving reviews, you know, like, oh my God, like they follow those procedures. Like I didn't come within six feet of them. Uh, everything went the way they said it was going to go. The guy washed his hands when he got here. He washed them before he left. He left. He he uh, wiped down all contact surfaces, and they were people were really impressed, and uh, and it just led to all kinds of growth. So, uh, like I, to to frame it, so you're sitting in a boardroom looking at um, ninety percent revenue drop. <laughs> I, I'm I'm laughing because this is just like it's. Uh, you know, you, you say it nonchalant, but you look at 90% revenue uh, loss, you've laid off most of your staff, you've got like 100 staff, so like a majority of those people are laid off, not in the building anymore. Uh, it's crickets in a building, you've got um, bills that are due within 30 days that are six times your revenue, and you doubled your advertising budget, which is, I would say, like one of those like non-essentials, like, you know, I run a marketing firm, tons of people, they just it was the first thing to go. It was just like, okay, let's just cut all advertising. You doubled your advertising. You're uh, no, I. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, uh, there you go, Google and Facebook and all the other things. And, and so, so you doubled your advertising. And uh, a spoiler alert for the listeners here that that don't know Alice Care, but within one year, you successfully exited the business, sold it to uh, to to a firm, and uh, and you know that's that's a huge change. So. Let's talk a little bit about that. So in between, you know, almost going bankrupt and selling your company 12 months later, um, talk about that rapid growth. Talk about um, the fact that your company grew while other companies were shuttering their doors, defaulting on payments. Like, what did that look like as, as a CEO? And, and what, were you, what were you doing to do this? Because this didn't happen by accident. It's not like the HVAC industry exploded during COVID. Oh, I shouldn't ever say HVAC exploding, but um, it's it's not like there was like rising consumer demand for furnaces. And so how did you guys come out on top when all your competitors were, you know, uh, just trying to pay their bills? You know, I think that we, um, uh, to take a, a, an analogy from sports, we, we didn't play scared. Um, you know, a lot of companies were sort of just waiting and see, wait and see, wait and see. Let's see what the government does. Let's see how long the lockdown goes on for. Let's see if COVID goes away like SARS kind of went away. Like, let's just see. And so when I talked to other owners, they weren't doing anything. They sort of just shut their doors and were sort of cocooning themselves up and saying, like, when this is over, like, we'll be ready to go. And, and we just didn't do that. Uh, our, and, you know, and I think that comes back to the history and culture of the organization. And it's one of those where, you know, I spent, I spent all my time in my career building the culture, the right people, relationships with suppliers and vendors, customers, telling the truth, uh, you know, really making sure that we lived our brand foundation every day. And at some point you kind of go, well, I spent a lot of time and a lot of money on this. Is it worth it? I, th I think uh, if I ask myself that question once, I asked it a hundred times, like, is it worth it? You know, the, all the, the business books will all tell you, oh, it's worth it. And one bad hire, you know, cost you 10 times salary. And like, there's all these math and metrics. But when you're running a smaller business, sometimes it's hard to see that. And then all of a Especially when you have bills to pay. Like, it's like, yeah. is, okay, so our culture doesn't pay uh, our leasehold, right? Our culture doesn't pay the truck maintenance and the relicensing and insurance. And yet it does. You know, and I think that was the one thing that came into clarity during the pandemic was that, you know, when I went to certain employees and said, you know, I'm going to need you to take a pay cut, like, you know what I mean? And, and even though you're working and they were like, yeah, no problem. Wow. And, it, and it was like, 
not one person got mad, yelled at me, anything. And I, and I said, listen, as soon as I can bring it back, I go bring it back. And like, I think it was like a month, you know, but it was one of those at the time we didn't know how long. And uh, all these suppliers helped us out in, in immeasurable ways. And so uh, like that was so gratifying. And, you know, I think there is a first mover advantage. And so, I, you know, it was the fact that I think we moved first. Like we doubled down on advertising when nobody was advertising. You know, we started calling customers you know, we started calling every customer by like the second week of April and, you know, we had 10 people on the phones all day, just calling customers, letting them know we're here if you need us. We are an essential service. We've been designated that we've got policies, we've got procedures, you know, here's a video of, you know, here's a sample video of what we're training our people to do. And so we, we got out right ahead of everybody. We got out ahead of calling suppliers and asking them if they could make arrangements for us. You know, when you're first one to ask, I think it's a lot easier for them to say, sure, no problem. Somewhere on the 30th phone call they get that day, they're like, well, wait a second, like we have a business to run as well. Uh, and, you know, we were always win-win with our suppliers, you know, not fair weather friends, so to speak. We didn't just, oh, we can find it cheaper tomorrow, somewhere else tomorrow, so we're going to go there. You know, we stuck with a lot of our vendors and suppliers for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And so, um, and we always tried to help them be successful. So when the chips were down for us, it's like they wanted to help us. And uh, so it all came together. Like the employees wanted to help us. Uh, the suppliers wanted to help us. And then I feel like our customers wanted to help us. Like they enjoyed our relationship and the service that we gave them over the years. And the other part is because we always do what we say we're going to do. We would built trust up with homeowners. So when we said to them, we're taking, we're taking the right precautions. We've done the research. They believed us. You know, and in the early stages, you know, how do you get someone to trust you? And so we got them to trust us. And yeah, so all of this kind of came together and it, it was amazing uh, to see um, it, uh, as stressful as it was. It was one of the most gratifying times of my uh, business career to this date because everybody just kind of came together and they were calling on us. Suppliers were calling on us just to check and see how things were going. We had customers calling to check in on us. And I'm like, you have customers calling, calling to check in on. and see how we were doing. Wow. And it okay. was like, that's amazing that you would call to check in and see how we're doing. During the pandemic, I, I have to be honest, I, I didn't think about calling and checking to see how my HVAC company is doing. But that that's uh, that's unbelievable. And and when you're saying all these things that like what I'm hearing is relational equity, right? You had relational equity with your suppliers. You're not fighting them. You're partnering with them. You had relational equity with your employees. Once again, not fighting, getting along with them. And then you had a relational equity with your customers. And so although it's not on your profit and loss statement, you have all this equity as a business to, I don't know, just have grace during a really challenging time to, to transform. And yet you didn't, you didn't just sit around on that equity. Um, you know, when you mentioned like a lot of your competition froze, you fought, right? You fought to, to, to grow, you fought to get market share. Um, and that's incredible. Like that's, uh, that, that's something that you can't really measure in a business, but it sounds like all that equity that you built for years um, came when it was needed most. And so that's the part I think I was sort of getting to earlier, which is you're doing all these cultural things and they're not improving your bottom line on day one. And so at some point you'll look and say, well, I could improve my bottom line if I did this differently. If I bought this cheaper from a different supplier, if I paid my employees less, uh, you know, there, there's lots of ways to save money, and we never did that. Um, and uh, and so 
you know, all that equity was built up. Now I emptied the bank account literally in like two days. Uh, so 20 years of equity built up with all these different stakeholders. And I literally was like, okay, it's time to empty the bank account, but it was there to be emptied. And, and so, uh, you know, it's not like I could take a loan on equity. So, you know, uh, uh, of all these things. And so we had it sitting there, we were able to empty it all at once. And it gave us just the bump and the boost that we needed at the right time and ended up having like an unbelievable record year. But it all started, you know, in that sort of first three weeks. It was like, what are you going to do with your customers? What are you going to do with your employees? What are you going to do with your suppliers? And making sure that we had the right plan. And a big part was communication. So once we got going, it was like a weekly town hall with all our staff. Uh, It was uh, a weekly uh, email, like letter to all our customers. You know, it's got 10,000 customers and you're sending out, you know, like regular communication. And we got so much feedback from customers saying, like, thank you. Like, it's good to know that you're here if I needed you. I don't need you right now. But if I did, it'd be nice to know that you were here. Uh, and, uh, and we got lots of positive feedback about how we were communicating, uh, demonstrating the processes, procedures, protocols. And, uh, yeah, everything turned out amazing. So, so you mentioned uh, record year. Um, what does that mean? What what record uh, are, so, you, are you talking yeah, about so here? A- yeah, so we hit a, a revenue record. So even though uh, during like the first two three months, like so, I, I mentioned the comment that you know in, in March, you know, fell to like ten percent of revenue, you know, and April was probably thirty percent or forty percent, you know, May was like sixty five percent of revenue. Uh, so even with that bump in the year, mm-hmm. we ended up uh, higher. Uh, I can't remember the percentage points, but you know, three or four percent higher on the full year, uh, even with that drag back of revenue. Wow, that's amazing! And 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 tell me about this acquisition. Uh, you know, they're uh, acquiring companies. Uh, you don't want to acquire losing companies, so obviously you guys were doing something right. Uh, they they wanted you. They went after you. They profiled you. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So these are uh, industry guys. They, they already had uh, ten companies. And uh, we, we know them and we'd met with them in the past and, you know, we were never really interested in selling. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I'm still young and, uh, you know, I'd taken over as president 11 years earlier. So, you know, it wasn't like I was, uh, I'm in sort of the prime of my career and so I wasn't going to go anywhere. And uh, they, uh, they then approached us sort of at the end of October and said, look, we'd really like to buy your business. And, uh, you know, we said, well, we're not really interested. And they said, well, can we make an offer anyway? And yeah, and after we went back and forth for a bunch, it, you know, it ended up being the right offer. Um, you know, my dad and I are, have always been disciples of this guy, Tom Deans, who wrote a book, Every Family's Business, and sort of says that your business should be for sale every day of the year. It doesn't mean you're going to sell it, but you should know what your number is that you would sell it. And it was, it was the right number. It was, it was a number that allowed my dad to not have to wait to get his money from me uh, and allowed me to do other interests and pursue that. And so... And it felt good because, you know, they're industry people. Um, and uh, so they know the industry. And, uh, and yeah, and they, 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 you know, they kept like, you know, 99, 98% of our staff. There's only a couple people that they said, we already have those capabilities. We don't, you know, need as part of the larger organization. And, uh, and yeah, and so there was, there's other options in order to sell to. But, um, but it, was, it seemed like the right one. So, so you go from like... March losing 90% of your revenue to the following March, having a successful transfer, yeah. uh, selling your business, um, you know, going off and doing what, what you want to do. Um, looking back over the year, 
what, what would you say were the key uh, decisions? Because it's like you know you you had a you had a successful year. You also made a sale that that was not on your radar at all. So this wasn't some type of strategy or just takeover or fire sale or anything like that. So you went from like the worst part of your career in your company to the best day ever. If I can just put that in your sure. your your uh, your mouth there and just say that that was probably one of the most successful days ever. Um, what were the key decisions that you think that you made? during the crisis i know there was a lot of stuff leading up to it including the cultural equity and the customers and all that fun stuff but what were what do you believe that were the key decisions that you made and and you may be repeating yourself which is perfectly fine i think for the listener sometimes we have to hear things more than once to, to understand this what do you think like maybe the two or three three key decisions that you made as a task force as a leadership um that helped you go from hey we're almost bankrupt and i'm going to lose my house to Look at us. We've you know sold an 88 year old uh, business successfully to a company that it continues to grow it. Yeah, and so um, not go, not doing it by ourselves. Uh, and so you know I, it wasn't like I just sat in my office and came up with the, with the master plan. It was involving uh, those key stakeholders in helping me figure out what the plan is. Um, and so that that was like the first key decision. Uh, second one was thinking about the employees first. You know, um, laying them off uh, out of the gate, I think, was the right decision. I would do it again. As painful as that was, you know, we never lay anybody off. And so all of a sudden have to call 70 people and, you know, tell them or 80 people and tell them, you know, sorry for right now. I think this is what's best. Um, and so that was key, though, out of the gate, because I think that built equity up with uh, with our employees by doing that out of the gate. Um, I think jumping on protective equipment. I think a lot of companies had a hard time acquiring protective equipment um, once they decided, oh, okay, well, now we got to do something. Um, and then the other one was, but it was the doubling down on the advertising because all of a sudden Atlas Care was sort of everywhere when nobody else was around. And uh, you know, I really think that it propelled the brand forward. We'd already been starting this exercise a year earlier on you know, how do we become a household name? How do people know who we are? And so we, we had already gotten a lot more brand recognition. But all of a sudden, we were we were the only voice in the marketplace in what's normally a very crowded marketplace. Wow, you, you know, you mentioned the term first mover advantage earlier on, and like I see that in a lot of different things that that happen, right? It's like you you were first to create the task force, you were first to you know do all these things, you were first to advertise. You know, it almost reminds me of uh, my favorite movie, Forrest Gump, when you know the storm comes, a whole bunch of the boats get smashed, and they're out there, and they're the last boat uh, kind of standing, and they get all the shrimp, you know, like they, they end up just winning, you know, these two idiots, uh, you know, and, and I mean that sincerely as that's kind of the premise of the, the movie, but it's like these two, two guys that are just like, hey, let's just, let's push through. Um, let's be the last person. And maybe that's the worst example ever, but it's like all of a sudden all your competition is frozen, you know, watching the news, waiting for government handouts, waiting for somebody else to do something for them, waiting to understand how the virus is gonna, you know, waiting to buy masks, waiting, 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 and you guys are just going, going, going. And and you went from 90% loss <clears throat> to exiting a company in one year. I think that's that's phenomenal. That is absolute phenomenal. The hardest part I think was the mental roller coaster that that was. It was like, oh my God, I'm losing everything to, okay, let's scrap and fight our way out of this, to, wow, we just had, like, a record, record, record year. Because um, we're not unlike other businesses, you know. We had done lots to manage our expenses. 
you know, uh, and that was assuming a really low revenue target. When you manage those expenses, and then all of a sudden uh, you you exceed revenue targets, uh, the delta grows between on your profitability. And so we had just this extremely successful year, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I'm not working now, <laughs> and, and and so that was a that's a different emotional roller coaster, because uh, my wife worked in the business and I worked in the business and we've got three kids, and so all of a sudden. It was like, why is daddy home? <laughs> it's like, daddy isn't anywhere to go right now. Uh, and so that was an emotional roller coaster. Um, but I'm really glad I had the opportunity to do that, just on a personal note, because you know, having three kids at home during all of COVID, uh, it was great for me to sort of relieve my wife from uh, a lot of those duties and to sort of get involved and help them, because they did, all didn't do great during COVID, and one of them struggled a lot. And so it was great that I could be there uh, for them. Wow. I, I still remember uh, getting a phone call from you uh, as we we're doing your advertising and and you were just asking very like very like humbling and like sober questions of like, OK, what what do you recommend we do? You know, what, what if we were to double our budget? What do you recommend our budget be? Um, what can we do with this? And uh, and going from that to our phone is ringing off the hook. We're stupidly busy. You didn't have any time to to talk. It was just like we're making phone calls, we're receiving phone calls, we're 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 getting all this stuff done. And uh, and uh, and as a marketing agency, it's really hard because we also have to deal with our clients' emotions. Of we had clients that that pulled all their advertising and went out of business. I, I talked to one guy, and he was literally driving a U-Haul as he was getting all the stuff out of his office because he uh, he wasn't on his or he he had lost his building and. Uh, and he was like actually like lifting stuff into his truck as I was talking to him, and and a lot of people uh, froze. A lot of people just stopped altogether, um, and yet there was customers like you um, that doubled down. And uh, to be honest, like it, it was almost emotional for for us because we're thinking, man, the trust that that you're putting uh, in this is is huge. You're like we know that you're not paying this to pay somebody else. And uh, and that people are out of work, and uh, it's it's not an easy decision uh, going going through that. Like, of course, 2020, you, you, sorry, 2020 vision. We should really stop that. Of course, looking back, it's like that was the right decision. But at the time, it's not like you're this valiant. Yes, we are going to advertise and and make tons. You had no idea. Like, you had no idea if people were going to allow you into their homes when we were still. Um, like uh, Lysoling down Amazon packages. Like that's, you know, when, when people um, were, were doing the craziest things and wearing dinosaur costumes outside because we had no idea what was going on and, and debating face masks, uh, you know, a year ago. And, and you know, you've got to make that commitment. And I mean, I, I applaud your, um, your, your boldness to, to do that. Your first mover advantage, it, it obviously paid off. And uh, and it's a privilege to to see where your company has come in a one year time span from from crisis to exit. Um, it's uh, it's humbling. It's just humbling to to see like uh, the the payout of making those types of first mover decisions. It's it's humbling for me as well. Uh, we'll circle back on your dinosaur costume. I didn't know you wore one out during the pandemic because I didn't see one. But anyways, it was uh, fun <laughs> to wear it. Was. It was just you know, the kids loved it. So. But there was a very, uh, and it was just a very humbling uh, experience, uh, this entire thing. I think that one area too that we spent a lot of time on, which was because it, I think as a brand, you know, Atlas Care was always very authentic. 
um, one of the things we struggle with is, okay, so we're going to advertise more. You definitely don't want to be like, look like an opportunist. You know, I don't want to look like, uh, you know, a personal injury lawyer chasing down an ambulance on the way to the hospital. And so the question now is, like, how do you do this? Uh, and, and how do you make, it, make your voice so it's like we're here to help? And yet you know who we are, but we're here to help. And so it was uh, like instantly it was like, okay, anything with a deal in it, like, take it out. Anything with an offer in it, take it out. Like, because we're not here to capitalize on other people's misfortune, whether it be competitors or not. You know, before we sat down, we were talking about the uh, the outage that Facebook had, you know, and it's not like Twitter is going to sit there and, you know, be like, ooh, it really stinks for our competitor that they're down. Uh, you know, it's not tasteful. And so as a brand, I think we're very tasteful. And so we didn't want to be seen as trying to capitalize on other, other people's or businesses' misfortunes. And so it was about... We spent a lot of time, actually, an in, in inordinate amount of time um, crafting all the messaging uh, to make sure we got it right uh, and practiced it, practiced it, um, you know, said less, hopefully did more. Um, but it was, uh, that was a big strategic part, too, because I saw what I, um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, but businesses that did it wrong. So they just were, hey, we got a sale, we got a sale, because you need revenue. So it's like, you know, out of the gate, it's like, hey, look, if you, if you need revenue, you put a sale on. And at that time, we really, we sat down all, all, quite a bit. Um, I know I, I definitely talked to one of your people, Mafus, you know, who I've worked with on some of the branding stuff. And it was like, okay, how are we going to come across authentic here? Because I don't want to be seen as opportunistic. And uh, and we did. And it was, uh, the feedback that we received from most people was that we hit the right note. Uh, it was more about, here's what we're doing for COVID. We're open for business. Here's our protocols. Uh, and, and that was almost all the marketing that we did. So it wasn't about deals and sales and we sell furnaces and you need a humidifier. And, you know, we never jumped on the indoor air quality bandwagon, even though we've been in the indoor quality business for 20 years. That felt very opportunistic to say like, hey, you need a UV light. We got UV lights and check them out, you know, uh, buy one for your for your brother and, you know, for your mom. And, and we didn't do any of that because it, it just that felt too opportunistic. And it, that didn't speak to either our people or myself. Mm -hmm. So we had it available, but we didn't lead with that. And, and so anyways, that was I think that was a big key as well, because yeah. I saw some people really try to get opportunistic. Yeah. And you get land based I think in social media, but also it's not like your, your existing customers like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Well, Michael, thank you so much for sharing uh, your story with us. Uh, you, I like to summarize success stories with a couple key points. Um, there's too many to, to list here. So I, I'm really hoping the listeners uh, got what, what they needed um, out of your story from, you know, equity uh, across customers, um, you know, employees, uh, vendors, all that stuff. The first mover advantage, um, really just being bold during a time of crisis. It's incredible to, to see your story. Congrats on your success. And uh, thanks for coming out today. Thanks so much, Daryl. Everything's been great. Thank you for listening to this episode of CandyCast. If you like what you've heard, make sure to hit the subscribe button for more sweet conversations. Also, continue the conversation with us on social media by following us on Instagram and Facebook at CandyCastClub. Until next time, thanks again for listening and stay sweet. All right, now let's record it for real. That was just yeah, a practice. That was the practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you guys unmute the mics. Exactly, yeah. <laughs>
Why is this plant like this? Redo! 